Hey folks, before we get started here, uh, I want you to take a minute and check out our main page, thefedorachronicles.com, and I want you to check out our incredible sponsors, Trinity Whip Company, Landry Artifacts, and Chester Cordite. These people provide incredible products and incredible services that um, just have to be seen to believe, and they have been gracious and generous enough to help support the fedora chronicles radio show and all the other things that we do so please be sure to do yourself and them a favor and check them out this is the fedora chronicles network this is the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show number 72, and I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk. In this special episode, John Pica, Daisy O'Dare from the Diesel Punk Podcast, and I welcome Tom Wilson of the Mill Race Theatrical Company and founder of DieselPunks.org to talk about Halloween and why is it so important to us retrocentrics. We also talk about our favorite Halloween films and how we can make this holiday more of our own. Be sure to visit the Mill Race Theatrical Company by going to the website themillracetheatricalcompany.com or you can find more links to Tone's troupe by going to thefedorachronicles.com slash radio and click on episode 72. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show, and I am your host, Eric Wonder King Fisk, here with a couple of really special guests here. Um, as always, ladies before gentlemen, hello, hello, uh, Daisy O'Dare. How are you doing tonight? Give us an update of what you're up to this week. Oh, I'm doing just fine, Eric, just fine. Uh, things are a little quiet around the hangar here in Memphis this week, but uh, we're gearing up. For, I'm gearing up for a big move and gearing up for a... Uh, Halloween coming up because I'm, I'm I got a couple plans for it. Nothing too fancy, but we'll be talking about that today. Fantastic, and of course my my good friend, my brother from another mother, the uh, the mountain of Machizo Mo himself, John Pika. Hey Eric, how you doing? Hey guys and gals, all you Hepcats, cool kittens. We are laying down a smoking groove. That's so cool, it'll make you flip your lid tonight. I cannot wait. This is going to be a fun, fun show because who do we got, Eric? You know what? I, I was thinking that you were just going to jump right to it because it's, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite special guests. This is the second time that we've, we've had him on the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Um, the one and only Tone Wilson, um, who is, if you don't know who he is, then you don't know Diesel Punk. He is the the man, the myth, and the legend, and he is um, in the in the in the Delaware D.C. area. He was making diesel punk a reality, um, and all things retro, vintage from the jazz era. Um, Tone, welcome. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm broadcasting. <laughs> no, we are broadcasting live from Monsterville in New Jersey tonight. Fantastic. What a great way to open up the show on the topic of um, doing de- doing Halloween right for diesel punks. You know, because the thing is, is that in a little pre-show warm-up, you gave us a taste of what, what's going on. So for the audiences tonight, um, what are you up to? Well, a lot has been changing in the last few months. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm now living in Monsterville, 
which uh, the name of our town officially changes on October 1st. Uh, we, my wife and I moved into a nice old Victorian home built in 1905, and we spent the entire summer fixing it up. And now that it's actually livable, I've been out on the road, and now we're hitting our busy season because, as we all know, Halloween is huge in the States, and uh, most people can't get enough of it. So uh, the big boom for Halloween was the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, and you know what? When you focus that deeply into that time period as I do, uh, you know the phone starts to ring off the hook. So I've been teaching classes on Halloween. I have a, a whole show set up in an old Jazz Age mansion right now. And I'm actually working on a interactive seance, which is one of the first in the States uh, to go this in-depth into it. Uh, but we can do a deep dive a little bit later in the talk. That is obviously fantastic. I, I'm literally, um, I got, I got goosebumps. I'm not sure if it's lightning and thunder that uh, that is that is happening in the region, or or just hearing a, a, about all of that. I think the, um, one of the questions that I would like to be able to ask both of you, um, and obviously ladies first, if you had to explain Halloween and why Halloween is so important and special to people. Um, in, in other countries and other cultures around the world, what, what would you say to them? Daisy, okay. go first. Well, one good thing about Halloween is that it's a holiday where you get to do something different. You get to kind of defy the rules a little bit. You get to stand out. You get to act weird. You, you know, us weird folks, this is our time of year, you know? And it's also a holiday where you don't have to give anybody presents unless you're handing out candy. You don't, you aren't obligated to go visit anybody. You aren't, you don't have to do anything unpleasant. It is a holiday just for dressing up, going to parties. If you're a kid going from door to door, getting candy and just having a good time. And, um, I say it's just kind of a mass stress relief for a lot of people because they get, they get this one night where they can be somebody else. John, explain to uh, to our listeners elsewhere outside of the United States what what is Halloween and what makes it so special to you. Well, you know, Daisy Daisy kind of encapsulated it. It is it is kind of the uh, the the oddballs holiday. You know, it's it's the one night of the year where you know people like us who are into uh, costuming, science fiction, fantasy. Really, uh, we we rule the world, you know. If not for one night, um, you know, we it is it is just for us, and um, all of our weirdness is is normal. S- but speaking of being weirdness being normal, you know what I'm going, you know what I, my costume is for Halloween. Uh, I I I bet you are going as. Uh, let me just think here. What's the scariest thing? A politician. Close, close. Okay. I I I am wearing a t-shirt, cargo pants, and flip flops. Cargo shorts and flip flops. For <gasps> oh no, no! Say it's not so. No, <laughs> yeah, not you yeah. too, Johnny. No. It's yeah. like I don't know you anymore. Pictures or it didn't happen. It's uh, it's a costume, right? You got to do something wacky and out of the norm so for me it's it's pretty out of the out of the ordinary but uh 
You know, hey, Daisy, you said you don't have to go anywhere or give any presents, but I like I do like to go to over to people. I like to host parties, go to parties, and I do give well, gifts for Halloween. I know, but it's not like you gotta load everybody up in the car and go to the house of this relative you don't even know that well and sit around and stare at each other. It's not that kind of holiday is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Gotcha. And can I say one more good thing about Halloween, especially Always. for us cosplayers? Always. The week, week after Halloween, you get your cheap props and makeup. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, Tone, now the obvious question I have is what is it about um, your location that is so special for Halloween? Well, like I said, we moved into a Victorian district and it's right near Philadelphia. And because we're in a, a pretty dense urban area and we have this little pocket of grand Victorian houses, uh, they actually shut down the streets around on Halloween night. And the neighbors around us have told us that if we have the lights on, expect close to four to 5,000 children. Oh, that is fantastic. That, that so is great. The, Holy the, whole town, wow. the, the whole town just embraces it. And... Uh, it's everything for kids, everything for adults. Uh, all the the all the rich people in the neighborhoods they fight over the golden broomstick, uh, which is a award for the best haunted house. And there's a bunch of different categories, and it's just uh, to me specifically Halloween or Samhain, depending on you know which one you celebrate. Uh, it's very special because there are places in the world where it's winter all the time. And there's places in the world where it's summer all the time. And there's some places that it's even spring all the time. But there's nowhere in the world that it's fall all the time. So to me, Halloween is change. It's not death, but change. Uh, the leaves change into a different season. It's a time for you to take a look at everything you've done in the year before. Uh, maybe some friendships that fell off the map and... Remember on this day to reach your hand out and say, whatever happened, happened. It's the death of ideas, the death of old grudges. Just it's your time to change. That's, that's a good. Daisy, go ahead. Don't, go ahead, Daisy. Well, I, I have a feeling we were both going to say that's a good way to look at it. That's an awesome way to look at it. Uh, I, yeah, it is. And, and you know. Another way to look at it is that Halloween starts the grand American feasting season. That is true. From Absolutely. October through February. And we get to have dessert first. That's right. <laughs> yeah, all the farmers were pulling their crops in. If you if you left out your crops after October 31st, you, you pretty much gave them to the fairies, they would say, because the frost would cause mold and you know, if you started eating that stuff, you would go nuts. So it was a time for everybody to come home and, and shelter down. And uh, if you weren't protecting yourself against the fairies with your family, you were doing it with your friends and you're telling stories. And you had all the food because you were expecting death to come during the winter. So you were celebrating now before the change happened. That is an awesome way to look at it. For me, it's always been sort of like a celebration of feeling melancholy 
it's because autumn reminds you of how things end, things that are no longer present. Um, and you get to look back at, at other periods of your life or other periods in, in, in America's past or the world's past. And it seems to, for me, it, it's, it's a time to really embrace what was. Um, and, the, and you do get to think about sort of like the met- metaphysical and the paranormal a lot, quite a bit. And it's when you get to think, what, what's, what's on the other side? What's, what's, what's waiting for us in the undiscovered country? Um, as Shakespeare once wrote. And uh, it's it's also um, it's almost like a contest, especially with me and my my eldest son. Uh, we get to have a contest to see who who can creep the other one out the most. So, <laughs> and speaking of creeping out the most, when you think of Halloween, you think of scary movies, thrillers, um, the entire horror genre. And one of the things I wanted to do tonight was get some recommendations from you folks, because um, we only have one week left to go as of tonight's recording. Uh, what I'd like to know is, is that what are the, the quintessential vintage, classic, diesel punk horror movies that people should be enjoying this time of time around? Daisy, you first. Well, I've never been really big into horror myself. Uh, most of the horror films I like are ones that uh, people watch mostly to laugh at. You know, I'm a big fan of um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Sven Gulli and that kind of stuff. But I got to say, the, the original Dracula from 1931, that is hard to beat for me. A lot of the old universal horrors, they're, they're classic for a reason. They're legends for a reason. And if you feel like uh, laughing a little bit more than being spooked out, you can always watch my personal favorite Halloween movie of all time, which is a movie made in the 70s, which is a love letter to all those universal films and even made with some of the same sets and props, Young Frankenstein. Gotta have Young Frankenstein in my house on Halloween. Hey, Eric. Yes. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? I'm not the Ritz. <laughs> I love, I, I love that movie. It, it's my second favorite favorite Mel Brooks movie. Oh, what's your first? Um, History of the World Part One. Oh, that's a good one too. I can watch that every time and laugh every single time. But I think yes. that. <laughs> Doctor F- Doctor Frankenstein is like, you know why? It's because they're they're jealous. Gene Wilder <laughs> was awesome, great actor, great one of the, perhaps maybe one of the greatest comedic actors of all time. Johnny, your favorite scary movie doesn't have to be horror; it could be suspense, <clears throat> terror. So, all right. So you know, I had to think about this because I'm not really one into horror or suspense necessarily. Um, you know, if, if I'm going to watch uh, something to, to celebrate Halloween, my first recommendation goes to kind of echoes uh, Daisy with the uh, Universal Monster movies. But my, my personal favorite, um, although I think uh, Frankenstein 
is probably the best of the Universal Monster movies, in my opinion. Uh, Lon Chaney was just phenomenal. Um, but if I had to pick my favorite, it's actually a comedy. Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. Oh, I love that movie. That's great. That is. That um, is yeah, go ahead. But you know, you know a movie that really kind of disturbs me, and it's one that we talk about quite a bit uh, in the diesel punk community, um, and that is the movie Sucker Punch. It, it's you know not intended to be necessarily a, a scary or suspenseful movie, but the the themes in that movie are really horrifying when you when you think about it in outside of the context of the movie we're, we're talking about you know rape and uh, uh, sex trading and uh, you know someone being lobotomized for having their own thoughts I mean that's that's horrific that is really disturbing and I think that it is probably a one that I think now that the kids are old enough I, th I think we can sit through that. Um, to, together as a, as, a, as a family, minus my wife, because she will not sit down and watch horror movies. Tone, I am dying to know, what is your favorite go-to horror movie this season? Oh, geez, that's a, that's a tough one, because unlike Big, Big Daddy Cool, and uh, I, I actually do enjoy the horror movies. So, I mean, this time of year, the, the, I'm looking back at the Diesel era and... I can have the skeleton dance and Hell's Bells from 1929 on a constant loop. Uh, those were made by Disney under the Silly Symphony label. When they were trying to sell music, they had uh, their own little dark animation. But uh, 1933 was probably the killer year for me because that's you get not only the Mad Doctor from Mickey Mouse, uh, where you get your stereotypical mad scientist who goes out and steals Pluto and decides... I'm going to chop him in half and combine him with the chicken to see if he has puppies or eggs. <laughs> that is horrifying, especially for kids. I had, I had that one as a kid. <laughs> like, it is just so bizarre, and they get away with so much, and it has that rubber band animation that is just so quintessentially, you know, Diesel era. Uh, Betty Boop's Halloween Party is also a great one, where she's trying to get things together for the party, and, uh, you know, the pumpkins are helping out, and she's She's got a, a little can of paint that she's painting the walls, and she's just splattering, and you know the paint's making little witches and things on the walls, and that's pretty cool. But if you really want to get creepy, uh, 1933, The Mascot, by uh, a French writer-director named Sterwitz. It's one of the early stop-motion animation. Uh, it mixes live actors with stop-motion. Uh, he did it pretty much all himself. But it's about this little girl. She was sick. Uh, she lives in the big city with her mom. Her mom doesn't have much money. And the only thing that they can afford is an orange. Because those were, you know, big ticket items back then. And she gets this orange. And she cries because her, her mom loves her so much. And her little stuffed dog comes to life. And unfortunately... The orange rolls out into the street, and the stuffed dog tries to go and find it. 
and eventually at midnight on Halloween, the devil opens up a cave, and all the Denzians of hell come out and steal the orange, and the puppy has to go and, and find it. So it has this creepy mix of stop-motion animation, looks almost like a black-and-white tool video, and it is just bizarre. Uh, but yeah. if that's not if that's not your thing, uh, definitely have to recommend The Others with Nicole Kidman, uh, also set during World War One, late World War One, and that just has all the quintessential uh, pieces for me: great sound, great acting, great directing, uh, excellent story, just super creepy, but no gore, absolutely no gore. Um, if you want to scare the kids. Show them the others. I'm, I'm, you, go ahead, Johnny. You know, I, I, I'm going to take that recommendation, uh, Tom, because I like I like movies that are pretty suspenseful, um, but I don't like gore. I, I, I think it's usually uh, over the uh, overused and and um, really what you don't see on camera is usually more frightening to me. So uh, the others, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna check that one out. Yeah, and if you haven't, and if you've already seen the others, then I recommend Planetarium, uh, that came out in 2016 with Natalie Portman, where she is a spiritualist uh, demonstrating her powers in front of a, a big audience and how that gets out of control. So the the others is the the others is definitely a classic, but Planetarium just came out. If you if you've already seen those. Now, I'll tell you, one that uh, just occurred to me, and I can't believe I didn't mention it, is the original vampire movie, Nosferatu. Nosferatu. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I took cinema history in college, and, and you know, that is, uh, man, that is a creepy, creepy movie. And even creepier when you read some of the uh, stories about the making of it. And uh, uh, tonight... Tonight, 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 uh, in Nashville, the Nashville Symphony is playing the soundtrack to Nosferatu live while the movie is playing on the screen. That's the Ooh. best. That is the oh, best. Yeah. yeah. I saw Nosferatu in uh, the Brattle Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and it is an old um, theater, um, very well maintained. Um See it in a see it in a theater with a whole bunch of people, and it will um, the reactions from other people. It, and when they when you see like the really disturbing images in the, in the original sepia tone, uh, I dare you not to have nightmares after watching that. Uh, that that's that's one of my go to favorite horror movies. Um, another. Uh, a great one, and my son and I watched this Sunday Sunday night in preparation for this episode. It was it's a movie that was made back only back in uh, 2015. It's a mystery th a thriller, and it's called The Abandoned, and it's a low budget suspense movie. And I cannot believe it got this low rating. Um, it's only at 50% um, on Rotten Tomatoes. And the first uh, six-sevenths of the movie or nine-tenths of the movie is it's very creepy. It's really exceptionally well done where a woman 
is she's still in um, still in college, and she's hired um, to be a, a night watchman over this an abandoned mansion that's the size of a city block. Um, in it's we're not sure what city it could be. It could be Washington D.C. It could it, it it could be New York City or Philadelphia. Um, and it it's it's the size of a city block, and it was a planned community, an enclosed community with the idea that you would never have to leave anywhere, and it was only for the very rich and very famous. And very early on, you realize that there's something weird going on here because not all the cameras, the surveillance cameras work. And sometimes the security guards have to go and see what's going on, what's making all those weird noises. And then the woman who is hired on our first night, she finds a door that says, do not enter. And well, what does she do? What would I do? She goes and she breaks the lock and she sees what's going on. And the first part of the movie, it's it's in this very sort of art deco, very opulent 1920s, 30s mansion. So it's not unlike like the abandoned subways in New York City. It has that sort of very sort of gothic feel to it. And then underneath the mansion is this very creepy abandoned tunnels from the 1800s and what she finds there it it freaked me out um and i i can't say anything other than that it really got under my skin and it's one of those things where it's like for me to say this i was so creeped out i actually thought about turning the tv off and just going to bed but i had to see how it ended it's one of those movies where it's like if you're into art deco and you're into the gothic period and, you, and you've always wondered, what would it be like to explore some of those places in the middle of the night, especially on Halloween? That's the movie to watch. Wow. You know, I just thought of another one. <clears throat> Thinking about suspense and, and you know, really uh, kind of that, that just grab you by the throat kind of movie. I, I also got to add The Shining. Not a, not a diesel punk movie, but uh, definitely one that will uh, make your uh, heart crawl up in your throat. I'm really surprised nobody's going for the diesel punk movies. I was, I was actually saving another one for another part of the discussion, and I wanted to ask, could you... Can I assume that everybody has seen Dark City? Yes. Absolutely, yeah. Daisy? Mm-hmm. Okay. How would you qualify or classify Dark City? Sci-fi. sci-fi yeah, noir. thinking sci-fi noir more than anything as well. But would you would you say that there is sort of like a a, a horror suspense aspect to it? <clears throat> there well, there most, is. Yeah, in most noir, there is that suspense aspect. Well, I, I would say there is a horror aspect because I've always interpreted that alien race to be a race of psychic vampires, basically. Um, you know, the, 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 the dreams and the lives of the people in that city are, are maintaining their, their lives in power. And um, they look very much like Nosferatu. Yes. Um, but, you, you know, when it, comes, yeah. when it comes to straight-up diesel punk horror movies... 
Um, you know, besides the classic Universal films that we mentioned and, um, you know, Dark City, I guess you could qualify that. But I'm curious, Tome, uh, what what else would you put on that list? And please don't say Frankenstein's Army because that movie sucks. Oh, no, 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 not Frankenstein's. Well, technically it is, but it's horrible. Even, it's horrible. Don't spend your... I, the cost of anything is the life that you put into it, so don't give that movie any life. Uh, <laughs> but what I was going to recommend is you were talking about Nosferatu, and that reminded me that Doug Jones, the actor who portrays pretty much every monster in every movie that you've seen in the last 20 years, uh, he's a very good creature effects makeup guy. He plays uh, Abe Sapien in all the Hellboy movies, the fish guy. Uh, that's the probably the, the one that most of our fans are going to pick him out from. He is playing in a newly updated version of Nosferatu that will be out soon. But I can talk more about The Cabinet of Caligari, which that was remade a few years ago as well, where they took the original movie, which was also done in the German Expressionist style. Uh, the original Cabinet of Caligari is about this mad sideshow doctor who travels through a town and his big thing is that he has a guy named Cesare and Cesare is a sleepwalker and he can and the the mad doctor wakes him from his sleep temporarily so that he can tell fortunes and he awakes one night and tells somebody that he's going to die and the next night that person does die. And it turns out that the mad doctor is using the sleepwalker to go and do his evil bidding throughout the night. But what they recently released is they took segments from the sets because the sets are very German expressionist, which means that they didn't use lighting. They actually painted the light and the shadows onto the sets. So it's, it's very proto Tim Burton where there's lots of really sharp angles and weird kind of angles everywhere. So they used the computer to chop those out, and then they put brand new actors into it and made it into a talkie. And because it's a talkie with these new actors, the whole movie just makes so much more sense to a modern audience, and it's so much more accessible. So if you're looking for a true diesel punk movie where they took something old and used technology to make it something new, Definitely look for The Cabinet of Caligari, uh, probably out from 2014. And there's also the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, who put out two great movies, Call of Cthulhu and Whisper in Darkness, uh, both done with modern technology, but done to look like they were classic movies done in black and white. As a matter of fact, The Call of Cthulhu is actually a silent film with title cards. Hey, hey, Tom, what, what are those two movies again? Just give us the titles again. You you cut out just a little bit. Sure. Uh, you're going to look for Call of Cthulhu and The Whisperer in Darkness by the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. Excellent. Excellent. I hadn't realized that Call of Cthulhu was uh, a film. I've, uh, I've seen the graphic novel. And there's actually now a uh, board game, probably adapted from the film, called Call of Cthulhu. 
Oh, well, Call of Cthulhu is one of Lovecraft's most famous stories. Uh, I'm not... I love Lovecraftian ideas. I love the universe he was building in the 20s. Uh, sometimes his prose is a little hard to dig through. But if you want to just dip your toes in and see what Lovecraft was all about, definitely check out these movies because uh, they can they appeal a lot more to a modern audience. Or uh, you can always go to the HP Podcraft podcast, and that goes through all of Lovecraft's books that he published in chronological order so that you can get a taste of what his stories were like uh, before you, you do the deep dive into the actual literature. Very cool. That is. That, that Or just play a game with, of uh, Cthulhu Live with your friends if you're into uh, live-action role-playing, which is part murder mystery, part supernatural adventure. Well, for that matter, <clears throat> um, you know, I'm into tabletop board games, and uh, one of the uh, more popular franchises among tabletop gamers over the last several years has been a game called Love Letter. And mm-hmm. just recently... They published a version of it. There's, you know, there's letters to Santa. There's a Batman love letter, and now they just published Lovecraftian letters, <laughs> and um, it's a version of uh, love letter with uh, the Lovecraft universe. So, uh, I, I think I'm going to pick that up for Halloween. I think that might be one of our Halloween activities. As always, that is a, a terrific idea. Sort of like. Get the family engaged in something um, uh, after after all the trick or treating. I, I I was going through this list here um, and just going through the entire list here, and for some reason, um, the Mummy struck me as one of those movies where it's like um, it really doesn't get a lot of love, even though it had a phenomenal cast. It just as just as a as a quick aside. Are there any sort of horror movies that should never be remade? Because I, I seem to think that The Mummy is one of those. I think that they should have stopped while they were ahead. Are, what, are you talking about the Brandon Fraser Mummy? I'm, I'm talking about the... Uh, or the, the to- original. I'm talking about the, the, like the, uh, the, original, the one from 1932. I think that's, that's, okay. the, that's the quintessential one. And the, the, the Brandon Fraser one seems to be more like a knockoff of the Indiana Jones movies, more than... A, a, a traditional quote mummy movie. Um, I think that there there are I there are some movies that I don't think that, that you should ever try to remake or create sequels to. Um, and I don't want to rehash our Blade Runner <laughs> conversation again. Um, well, I I agree with you. I you know I don't think you should do a remake of a movie unless you can make it better than it originally was. And um, and I, for that matter, I would go as far as uh, television series. You shouldn't make a movie out of a TV series unless you can make the movie better than the original source material. And, you know, for my money, the only remake I've ever seen, Eric, that I thought actually improved on the original... And, and a lot of people disagree with me, um, and that's okay. But I really believe that Peter Jackson's King Kong is superior to the original King Kong because you have the updated technology that made it so immersive and so real. 
The only caveat I will say to that is that it really should not have been um, one long movie. What is it? Almost three hours? Because um, you could have easily have had the movie end just as they were leaving Skull Island. And Skull Island is horrible. It's, it's a horrifying place and deserved its own motion picture. Uh, not unlike this, the, the recent one that we, that Skull Island that was in um, the theaters this past summer. Um, but Peter Jackson's Skull Island, in and of itself, is a fantastic survival movie. And then when the movie almost starts over again, um, back in New York. That should have been a separate movie in and of itself. And I know people did not like the fact that Peter Jackman... Peter Jack, <laughs> um, whatever his name is, um, broke up The Hobbit and, into three separate movies. I think that he could have done that with King Kong and things would have been fine with the first half of the movie in the theater, um, Skull Island, and then six months later, King Kong. Uh, and, I, and I agree with you. It, it is, it's a phenomenal, beautiful movie. Um, so with that said, how... how should we be preparing for the proper diesel punk um, Halloween? Or what can diesel punks do to make Halloween their own? Daisy, um, if, if we haven't put you to sleep yet, do you have any ideas and suggestions? Okay, now, how to make it your own? Yes. I'm trying to figure out exactly what that means. Meaning just do diesel punk stuff at Halloween or make Halloween into a diesel punk holiday? I think the answer is any way that you want to take the question. Mm. It's, How do you make de- Well, I figure, of course, uh, you know, you got to choose your costume, right? And um, you could dress like one of your diesel era or diesel punk heroes. Uh, depending on what my Halloween plans are, they're kind of up in the air. I may, uh, I may either be Betty Boop or a... Uh, a pajama version of Wonder Woman. That's a new thing I'm getting into is pajama cosplay where you basically wear. Because I like to be comfortable in my cosplay. So either way, they're diesel era characters. You know, if I'm if I'm so you you represent your diesel punk nature by who you play and maybe the movies you watch. You could listen to some spooky music. I can't think of any in some spooky diesel era music. We'll have to think on that. You know, maybe like, I'm sure there's novelty songs or things like that out there. Uh, how to make Halloween diesel punk? That is a very good question. Because, again, I like so many things that it's hard for me to stick with one theme. But, uh, let's see. There is one thing. There is another tradition around the Odair, the Odair compound that I uh, that I like to carry on on Halloween, and that is um, that is the uh, Orson Welles War of the Worlds. I love to listen to that at Halloween. Yes. How could we forget that? But yeah, you know, just use it as a time to celebrate. Diesel Punk and your Diesel Era heroes and characters and movies and just go all out and do because remember Halloween is that one night a year where us weirdos get to be ourselves. Us weirdos don't get don't have to 
get strange stares in public so much. So I say go all out and diesel it up and have a wonderful time. John, I know it's a difficult question. I, I know it that, is. I know that when I posed it, I, I knew that I might get some some controversial um, responses. That was well, controversial. I don't think so. Um, it is. It is a little bit of a difficult question, only because I don't really know that I've thought about it before. Uh, you know, because for me, I, I don't. I don't really dress up in costume very often for Halloween because I do costumes all the time in my performance art. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't joking when I said t-shirt cargo shorts and flip flops might be my costume that I might, I might do that. Or I might do Darth daddy cool. Um, my Darth Vader cosplay, um, which is, you know, a 1940s Darth Vader gangster mob enforcer take on the character. Um, or I might not do anything at all. Um, because for me, part of the fun of Halloween is seeing everybody else and, and enjoying them. I'm the guy that loves to stay at the house and hand out the candy to the trick-or-treaters that are coming up and uh, you know try to, to guess their costume and try to get them to guess mine. Because I always I do do things that are kind of you know offbeat and uh, when when I do do a costume uh, two years ago I did uh, an original character from my book Tales from the Flipside I was Doctor Diablo uh, a couple of years before that I was uh, a slea stack from Land of the Lost nobody knew what I was <laughs> but you know it was fun it was it was fun uh, getting people to to guess but really. It's that interaction. And, you know, for me, as a, as a performer, as an entertainer, Halloween really, for me, marks the end of my performance season and the time that I get to just relax and to enjoy the holiday season. Uh, the holiday season for me starts at Halloween and goes through uh, Valentine's Day. And, and, you know, when the rest of my contemporaries are schlepping their gear all over town, doing parties at the holidays, I'm done. And I get to spend it with, with my family. So for me, making a special is putting on one of those great movies. And, you know, here it's probably going to be something that the kids like, like, uh, you know, Frank and Weenie or Paranorman or you know, an animated piece like that, a Coraline, um, and, and, you know, sitting, you know, doing the trick-or-treat thing, putting in a movie, playing some board games, and because I love diesel punk, that translates into my board games, and, you know, we'll probably play a, a, a big round of, uh, of King of Tokyo on Halloween, because, you know, what goes better with Halloween than mega monsters destroying a city um and so so for me making it my own is about enjoying the time and the the high touch time with with my family you know the the phones go off the digital media gets turned off and uh you know it's just about being together and and 
you know, that, uh, that, that personal interaction. So that's how I make it my own. And does that make it necessarily diesel punk? Maybe yes, because that's my, that's my preferred aesthetic, but not necessarily because anybody can do that. Right. That's my two cents. Tone, obviously, we're, we're, we're dying to know, uh, how, how are you going to get ready for, for Halloween on your end? And this would also be a perfect time to tell us more about um, events that you have, uh, are, 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 you know, are, are occurring um, this season. Sure. Uh, Halloween for me usually starts in June. So it's a, it, like Johnny was saying, this is definitely a busy season. Uh, if I was left to my own devices, I would love to just sit home and read something by M- Mike Mignola. Uh, you know, the very first graphic novel of Hellboy is definitely one of my favorites. It's you, you have your, your diesel era heroes, you know, punching Nazis in the face and, and all the, the creepy monsters that are just pulling out of the woodwork. Um, I also love folklore. Uh, so that's usually this time of year, um, being pulled up and down the mid-Atlantic in the New England area, uh, teaching uh, Halloween folklore and about how it started off way, way, way back in the day in the British Isles in Ireland. And, you know, in the 1920s, it was it was almost like the purge. And what we know about Halloween right now with kids didn't really start until the 30s because usually it was a, it was a very adult holiday. You know, everybody would get together and get smashed and have a party and meanwhile all the kids were left to their own devices and it wasn't beyond them to go and steal every bit of wood and every bit of rubber in the entire town and just have a giant bonfire and it wasn't until the 30s that they they're like you know what maybe we should probably get the kids a little bit more under control and uh, start marketing halloween more towards them uh but on my side this year uh, besides the Halloween classes and the folklore classes, I'm also doing a, a new show called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark at the Glenford Mansion, which was the, uh, the big Jazz Age mansion that I'm on the board for up in Northeast Philadelphia. Uh, some of the listeners may recognize that as the book series that was published in 1981 uh, from Alvin Schwartz that has the, the infamous watercolor illustrations uh, from Stephen Gamble. Uh, that were eventually banned for being a little bit too gruesome for kids. Uh, but they were always like that, that book that you would find in the elementary school library that had all the old stories like the hitchhiker and, you know, finding a toe in your backyard and, and everything like that. So uh, my theater troupe is doing a live action version of that where the audience gets to come in by candlelight in the completely pitch black mansion and get led around by a storyteller with a lantern and uh, we have mixtures of projection technology, uh, old school magic tricks, um, uh, audience participation and telling all these stories. And we, we had originally envisioned it to be a very small, intimate audience, maybe like 30, 40 people at a time, just because the space is big, it holds weddings, but we want to make sure that we didn't have to use any like, uh, audio amplification. We want to make sure that it was cozy, but not crowded. And uh, unfortunately, the the word got out, and uh, 
suddenly our, our tiny event that we only wanted to sell maybe like 100, 200 tickets to now has a wait list of over 11,000. So uh, that has turned into a big thing that may be expanding beyond the Halloween season. But other than that, um, I've got my finger in another place called uh, the Magical Arts Center, which is a brand new magic theater in Philadelphia. And uh, a few of my my theater compatriots are getting together and we are designing a interactive uh, immersive experience there based on 1910-1920 seance experience with spiritualism. And it's pretty much everything that you wanted to see at the Haunted Mansion as an adult and everything that you've read in the books, like, oh, and, the, and then the medium does this, and then the ghost appears, and you, you things are flying off the walls, and, like, yes, we have the technology, we can make it now. Uh, so that should be uh, a whole year-long build process as we get all the special effects built and custom designed and 3D printed. And, and then uh, that should be launching around Halloween time next year in uh, northwest Philadelphia. So definitely the busy season. I, I think Johnny. I think we're going to have to take a take a road trip. Well, unfortunate. Well, for next year, unfortunately, oh, yeah. the 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 project he's doing this year is sold out. It's got an eleven thousand person wait list. Uh, I think, and and he's just now telling us about it. Tome, I'm I'm a little bit upset. Well, well we put- we 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 know Tome. We're good. We he'll let us in. <laughs> uh, the the last show is this Sunday night, and. Well, well, the funny part was is that we put it up on Friday on Facebook. It sold out by Sunday morning, and then I get this panicked call from the from the rest of the board members saying, "We haven't advertised it to the actual members of Glenford yet. What are we gonna do? <laughs> because we have to ver- we have to be very careful about which dates we pick, because the mansion is typically used for for business meetings and for weddings, and usually we have two days reserved in the summertime for the big Jazz Age festival." And they didn't know what to do. So, uh, thankfully, we were able to pull another night out and uh, make a few more people happy. But uh, definitely, uh, we definitely tapped something that that people in the general area, New York, Philadelphia, D.C., really want to see. And I'm so happy to be able to tell all these stories from the Civil War era all the way into the 1940s and really get the people involved. Because it's not something you can go to the movie theater and see it's not something that you're going to watch on YouTube. It's an experience. You have to be there live. And it's something that you're going to be telling your friends about. This is just why everybody needs to subscribe to Tone on Twitter, follow his Facebook, follow his uh, um, his website, keep an eye on what he's doing because this guy's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, when, when we... When I started moving away from the Dieselpunk website, my impetus was to start doing more live events because I love you guys. I may have seen you in person once or twice, but being able to build a local community and saying, you know, if he builds it, they will come. By doing all these live events and building these speakeasies in Philadelphia and this seance experience and the things at Glen Ford, we are doing things for diesel punks that diesel punks can come to and be a part of that community. And they, if they want to chip in and help, then they're now a part of the community and they're help making it bigger. So it's not all about Facebook. It's not all about 
websites. It's about the people whose hands you can shake and hug at the end of the night and say, we built something and can't wait to see you tomorrow. I love that idea. And, uh, you know, that's something we've been talking a lot about uh, recently, Tome. And, um, you know, it's it's something that is lacking in the diesel punk community. And, um, you know, certainly uh, you're, you're modeling a success. So uh, bravo to you. And, and uh, you know, that's why I do live events. That's why I do live shows mm-hmm. is to is to interact and to get people and to create, you know, something that, you know, is is more than a Facebook post. But um, yeah, what's uh, the younger the younger generation uh, call them millennials, call them, call them what you will. We are moving from the information age where everything's in your pocket to the experience age. And that's the only thing that people are going to remember and pay money towards and actually put any worth into is an experience. I've been saying that for years, Tome. I've been saying that as we become more and more digitally immersed, that the desire and the passion for the live experience gets heightened. And um, I think you're absolutely right. We're right on the cusp of that where – uh, you know the live events, the live experience is 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 coming back full circle. I think I think it it has to because without it, what culture do we have? One of the things that I started um, or I resurrected this morning was our annual um, film noir uh, photo contest, where I've encouraged people to go out there with their cameras, whatever camera they have. I don't I don't care what camera they have, and go out and try and find film noir locations where they live, whether it's in a, a, a city somewhere or a suburb or a farm. Find find those film noir locations. You um, play with shadows, play with light. Um, because I think that one of the greatest times of my life outside of my um, um, my marriage was going to art class and taking classes in all kinds of media, especially photography and, and you know, playing with exposure settings and, you know, seeing what you can get out of your camera um, with low light. See if you can get the kind of like the creepy weird factor or whatever. See what you can do. Play with your filters um and and see what you can do with that. I think that it's it's so easy to just sit in your comfort zone and pretend to create content, but you know, you, you have to re- you have to reach out to other people. And you have to take your craft and see what you can do and how you can share it. Um you know, away from the the the, the cell phone or the laptop. And it's I, I, I sort of I feel a conviction coming on. I, I feel a little convicted right now. And I feel like that's we really do need to become a force for that, a force for that kind of good. No, yeah, Eric. absolutely. Go ahead, John. No, I was just agreeing. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you have Noir at the bar in your area? Uh, I, we don't we don't have much of anything around here besides um, um, maple syrup. <laughs> cornfields <laughs> not much um where we are sort of out in the middle of nowhere but the thing is 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 that is that is that something that i could bring here uh absolutely it's something that uh, mark krasnick 
uh, introduced to me. He's one of our main noir photographers on Diesel Punks. If you've ever look at the old Diesel Punk photo archives and just type in the word noir, and it has all these like stunning black and white portraits, you know, with the with the smoke and the the blind, you know, the the lights coming through the blind, and the old detective sitting at his typewriter punching out something. That was usually Mark. And what these people do is he just started putting out flyers and Facebook posts and saying, hey, if you're a noir writer, if you like crime fiction, come and meet at this bar on like a random Tuesday night, maybe three, four times a year. And we'll have the whole place to ourselves. I'll make the deal with the bartenders and we're going to play old noir type music. Uh, I love the band uh, Bovrin and Dirt Club Gore. I know it's a little hard to spell. It's a B-O-H-R-E-N and a Der, D-E-R, Club, Gore. And that's spelled the way it sounds. And it's just the old saxophone music and the, the low, off-key noir music. And they get around and they just they share excerpts from the books that they're working on or books that they just published. And now he's built a writer's community with other people who also take noir photography who want to maybe do covers or inserts or advertising to help out these local artists and these local writers. And it's something that, you know, costs zero dollars. And all you need to do is just go make friends with, with the venue, uh, like a bar or someplace where people can meet. And, uh, if people can make it great, you have a community. Voila. Costs zero dollars. And it's on your schedule. I love that idea. That's one of the reasons why I love having a podcast, having great guests with these with these great ideas. And, and you know, the thing is, is that there's just not enough hours in the day after talking to Tom. <laughs> uh, he'll, he'll help you fill it up. Yeah. How many hours do you waste sleeping? Eight or nine. Out of your schedule. Eight, yeah, eight, or, eight or nine, I guess. Dead. That's what I. That's what I. That's what I tell my kids, and they says, "Dad, it's not Halloween yet. It's not Halloween." So I think that that's the, that's that's the final message of of the show is get out there, do something. Um, and my computer's it, doing. It. My my computer is making all these crazy noises. I th- I think that I'm haunted. Does anybody have any any sort of strange, weird experiences um, to share? Um, to get us in the mood for Halloween before we close it out for the evening. Well, um, I, I can share a, a story, but before I do that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in my in my office, uh, affectionately called the Houdini Room, because I've got a, a library of books out or buy from Houdini. And Tom, I, I had a question since you're uh, doing the 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 stories. Uh, the the project there at the mansion um, through the forties. Are any of the stories centered around Houdini? Uh, no, they are not. Uh, they're actually from the original uh, folklore series. Uh, but I wasn't going to let us. I w- was not going to let us sign off without saying, uh, "Rest in peace to Eddie Weiss." And uh, you know, Harry Houdini passed away on Halloween night. And he's just been a hero of the diesel era for many of us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, it just occurred to me while I was looking at the books. I thought I'd ask. Um, and, uh, you know, once upon a time, I did a Houdini seance. So 
uh, that might be something I need to, to pull out and do again sometime soon. Uh, maybe next Halloween in Nashville. But um, so, Eric, you want a spooky story? Yes. Here, here we go. So years ago, I was an extra on the film Gettysburg and um, played one of the soldiers. And we filmed it at Gettysburg. And um, we're doing a nighttime shoot, an evening shoot. Um, it's, it's the scene before Pickett's Charge. Um, and, and the director is, you know, placing people around campfires and I'm there with a a couple of extras and he's like, all right. Uh, and he points to me and he says, Hey, see that, 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 that group of three up there on the hill. And he points at this fire and there's three guys sitting around it. He's like, I need, I need two of you to go join them, fill that out. And so we start walking up the hill, and there's this 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 wind blows between the group of guys between at the campfire and us. And it was like, it wasn't like just a wind. It was like a, a like a solid veil, you know that wind that has like like substance to it, like solidity to it. That's what it was like, like a cloud, and and it lasted you know a second or two. And when, when that wind passed through, that fire and those guys seated around it had vanished. They were never there. That is creepy. So there you go. Daisy, how about you? Do you, do you have a, a, a weird experience that you'd like to share? Weird experiences. Let's see. I haven't really had any. Um, I haven't really had any uh, recently that I can remember. I do remember, um, you know, there are some belief systems that believe that uh, the butterfly is a representation of a soul. And I remember my mother and I went several years ago to a, uh, a Civil War cemetery. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was a battlefield here in Tennessee. I can't remember exactly which one we went to. I don't know if it was... I don't remember right now. It may have been Shiloh. It was a long time ago. And there was this one butterfly that would not leave us alone. It followed us throughout that whole battlefield, throughout the whole cemetery. It just kept landing on me and my mom, and it just kept sticking with us. And we were trying to get in the car, and it just kept hanging on to her purse. It did not want to leave us alone. And I know that we've had, that I have ancestors who, you know, they're from Middle and West Tennessee. They probably fought in the battles that were fought at that battlefield. I don't necessarily... I, I don't know if I would say I believe that was the soul of one of my ancestors, but uh, it was kind of an, a funny coincidence. And I think that's about the closest I can get to a experience like that. Tone, how about yourself? Have you, have you had an experience? Um, 
it's a hard question. I, I lost somebody very close to me when I was young, so I was definitely looking for proof of the afterlife uh, throughout my entire uh, early formative years, uh, from uh, doing ghost hunting with the Warrens, who a lot of people know them now because they're in, in the uh, the Conjuring movies uh, with their family and um, the Zaffis family and you know what after a while it just turned into an excuse to go into places that were otherwise off limit at nighttime you know eastern state penitentiary uh spent the night in the lizzie borden house where she murdered her her mother and father and uh you know tons and tons of these places that get listed as the quote-unquote most haunted places in america and never really saw anything definite i think that's why i kind of made the like a hard 180 on that and now now that i've i've gotten past the spiritual part of it it's hey you know all these things that people said that they were seeing how can we recreate that so that people who are looking for that experience can can go and feel that and you know even though it's not real at least what could we do to give them that experience so unfortunately uh if something creepy did happen, I would be the guy, you know, running straight for it, saying, "Wait, wait, wait! I want to get an autograph." <laughs> that is that is awesome. Uh, I, I, whenever this topic comes up, I always tell this this one particular story, um, and it it actually happened of all, of all times around Christmas um, in the early 1990s, and I was working for. Uh, a florist of all things, um, delivering flowers. And it was one of the greatest jobs I ever had. I got to drive all over the north country of upstate New York along the Canadian border. And there was this one at, um, one snowy evening. Um, I got a little lost, and I, and I, and I stopped off at this... Um, <clears throat> Off at this uh, like general store that had burned had been turned into uh, um, an antique store and a and a and a um, and one of those like little mom and pop you know kind of like the, the like the gift shop that they have at Cracker Barrel if you've ever been to Cracker Barrel you know what I what I'm talking about um, it was they turned it into like one of those one of those stores and um, and I went inside and there's this old lady had said hello young man what can what can I do for you and I says look I'm 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 lost. I'm I'm looking for this road. I'm looking for this intersection. And she says, "Oh, you seem like a very nice man. Tell me a little bit about yourself." And I did, and I told, and I says, and I, t- I gave her kind of like you know the abbreviated version. And she says, "Oh, that sounds really nice. I bet you get to drive all over the North Country." I says, "Yes, yes, ma'am. I I I actually do." And she says, "I I got a sense that you're." You're going to be going to college soon, aren't you? And I said, yes, that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm working hard to make up money. And she says, well, I, I hope you do very well. Now, I'm going to step aside for a second or two and, and um, let me see if I can get you some help. And she, she goes off in, in, into this room on the, uh, uh, the, the, the west side of, of the building and and I heard this voice on the on the north side of, of the shop. This guy had come in from um, another room. And he says, "Can I can I help you?" And I said, "Yeah, I was. Um, I'm just looking for this location. I'm. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm. 
I'm lost. I, I don't know where I am. And he says, oh, well, and he, and he kind of like drew me this little map out of a out of a receipt, the spare receipt that he had on the back of a receipt. And he says, by the way, who are you talking to? And I said, oh, I, I guess there was an old woman who was working here. And, and the guy says, there hasn't been any anybody working here for couple of couple of decades the last person fitting that description was my mother and 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 she died about 20 years ago and i was kind of like okay <laughs> okay you're screwing with me okay well you know good night merry christmas um and it's like and i leave and as soon as i shut the door i could hear the old woman laughing at me behind the snowbank and when oh. i went and when i went to see there was nobody there there was no footprints or anything. Now, I mean, granted, the snow was falling pretty hard, but not so hard that you couldn't see the footprints. Um, and I hightailed it out of there. Now, the kicker to the story is a couple of months later, I retraced my steps. And I actually found that same intersection and there was no house there. There was no old store. There was there was nothing but woods. I wonder what would happen. Yes. I what yeah, I take this cursed doll with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and oh. Frogert. Ex- exactly. So and I've tried and I've tried my best to like rationalize, like explain how that happened, but still to this day I don't I, I don't know what really happened, so 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 anyway, I think that that's the end of the show, gang. Um, any any final last words, Daisy? Um, okay. When Tom was talking about uh, way back about things that he likes to watch on Halloween, and he mentioned Betty Boop's Halloween party, you anybody who listens to Diesel Power Pod, Diesel Punk Podcast knows that I am all about cartoons. So I got a couple more titles to throw out there of some good um either halloween or just kind of eerie themed betty boop cartoons and we've got uh bimbo's initiation we've got red hot mama and minnie the moocher minnie the moocher is it's eerie but you've got cab calloway as a singing walrus so i mean what's not to love about that that's awesome love it Johnny how about yourself any parting words uh, uh, I think I think we covered it pretty good um, you know uh, remember um, Halloween is is Houdini day the anniversary of uh, Houdini's death <clears throat> Halloween 1926 and um, he's uh America's first superhero, and uh, uh, so uh, you know, raise a glass for Harry Houdini on on Halloween night. One thing we do need to mention, just in case it doesn't come up before then, um, November twelfth. November twelfth is International Diesel Punk Day, and if you're out there listening to this, um, take that as an opportunity to create an event, um, you know, even if it's just as simple as inviting some friends over to have dinner and watch a screening of Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. But um, 
take take that opportunity to uh, set aside, you know, November 12th, it's a Sunday, and celebrate International Diesel Punk Day, uh, reconnect with some friends, and, uh, you know, spread the diesel punk gospel. That's that's phenomenal. I think everybody should really get into that. Definitely um, introduce people into the world of of uh, retro futurism. Tom, how about yourself? Well, like I was saying, uh, Halloween and Samhain is a time of change. If you've done something that you've regret this year so far, uh, if a friend has been out of touch. If things in your life aren't going the way that you want them to, take this time to sit down, reflect, and make those changes for yourself because uh, nothing else in the world is going to change them for you. Unless you work towards it, nothing's going to change. So it's up to you to put that hand out to that friend that you haven't seen in a while, uh, to forgive old grudges, uh, to shoot for that new job you've been looking for, and start building that community that you've always wished for because... You can wish, but unless you build it, it's not going to happen. Amen, that, brother. That's a that's a great way to leave it off. I'm just going to just just leave that as our final word. Besides saying, everybody, please be safe. Um, Halloween is supposed to be a fun time, so um, do something that will sort of push the limits and, and scare you a little bit. But play it safe. Don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything I would do. Is what I'd like to say. So. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for a really great show, and um, we'll see you next time. Be sure to visit the Mill Race Theatrical Company by going to the website, themillracetheatricalcompany.com, or you can find more links to Tone's troupe by going to thefedorachronicles.com slash radio and click on episode 72. This has been the Fedora Chronicles radio show and a co-production of the Diesel Punk podcast. You can find out more about us by going to our websites, thefedorachronicles.com and dieselpunks.com. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. You can find these links on our homepages. Be sure to visit our sponsors, Chester Cordite, Landron Artifacts, and the Trinity Whip Company. Also, check out the friends of our show, Penman Hats, and Reconstructing History. Once again, this is Eric Render King Fisk, signing off. And keep your chins up and your fedoras on.